Welcome to the Generations Church podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. All right, hey, take your Bibles, your devices this morning and turn to the book of Romans, chapter 7. I've been doing a series called Sufficient, Unlocking the Mystery of God's Grace. So the book of Romans, chapter 1 through 8, uh, is like a big puzzle describing grace. And each week, uh, every chapter focuses on a different, you know, kind of area of that puzzle so that we can really understand the fullness of grace. We've heard that term a lot, but sometimes we don't really or aren't able to really understand stand this. So uh, when, you, when you think about grace, you, it helps you to know that we had a sickness called sin that needed healing. We didn't need just for, you know, just forgiveness in our life. There was so many other things that we needed that grace brings. And grace brings restoration to our life in, in many, many ways. So uh, if you haven't, maybe you've just uh, got the last couple weeks, man, you can go back on our podcast. You can go back on YouTube. You can catch all of these messages and get the full picture of grace. I promise it will be a blessing to you. Last week was Romans 6, and we talked about two different things about Romans 6, so that when Jesus died, we were buried with him, and when we died, when he died, uh, the mastery of sin, the slavery, our slavery that we were in, it was over with through his, you know, through his death. So because we died, man, we're no longer under the mastery of sin. We talked about that. And then we also talked about as we're buried with him, we're also resurrected with him as well. And that, you know, that walks us into the newness of life. So salvation is more than just forgiveness. I promise you that. And we had a great time of worship uh, at the, at the end of the service last week. So just wanted to uh, mention that you can get yourself all caught up. So today we're uh, reading Romans chapter seven, and we'll start uh, in chapter or verse one. It says, don't you know, brothers and sisters, for I'm speaking to those who know the law, that the law has authority over someone only as long as that person lives. So he's going to take us back for, for a few verses to the, to the law and good deeds, trying to be saved through the law or trying to be saved through good deeds. So I just want to just bring you up to date, just remind you the law represented God's covenant to the Jewish people through 613 different commandments. Now, we know 10 of them. We know 10 of them, but this is actually, you know, uh, 613 of those, and it, and it was a covenant uh, to, the, to the Jewish people. Now, if you'll remember, at the very beginning, when Moses went on Mount Sinai and God gave him the Ten Commandments, it was wonderful. It was glorious. I mean, Moses had these tablets in his hand, but yet his face glowed with the glory of God because of the, the holiness and righteousness of this law. So it was a wonderful, you know, it was a wonderful thing to us. And that law came... Uh, that God gave us, and it was our teacher. It helped define what 
was sin and what was not sin. It helped define blessing and, and, and not to be in God's blessing. So the law was our teacher, but it was also our ladder as well. So it was expected, man, it was a 613 step ladder. And man, you had to, you had to hit all of those steps. And if you missed one, man, you were back at the beginning again. So the law, which was a blessing within itself, and it was glorious, was our teacher, and it was our ladder. But in actuality, it left us frustrated because we could not live it, you know, with, with, without God's help. And then also it brought us into condemnation. So every time we failed, every time they did something wrong, you know, they were living under this perpetual condemnation that could never please, you know, the law could never be fulfilled and, and could never be pleased. Now, let me ask you a question uh, this morning, just rhetorically. There is one lady on the earth that I want to please, but I never can, okay? Now, who do you think that is? I know you think that it's probably my wife, but let me just say she's very happy. She is very pleased in all ways. But there's one lady that, that I can never please, and that is my dental hygienist, okay? Anybody else? Anybody else? Are they ever happy with you? So I go to my dental hygienist a couple of months ago or a couple of years ago, and she said, hey, we just need to do better. She said, uh, so how do you, when you brush your teeth, how do you brush your teeth? And I, so I did that, and she said, no. You're supposed to do circles, okay? So now I want you to go home and I want you to brush with circles. So, okay, got it, got it. I go home, you know, and for six months I'm, I'm doing circles. I go back in six months and she looks again. She says, what, are you doing circles? Yes, I'm doing circles. She said, well, you know, that, that's just not good enough. You know, we, we, can, we can improve here. She said, so how long are you brushing? And I said, I have no idea. I don't time it. She said two to three minutes minimum. Okay, got it, got it. All right, circles and two to three minutes minimum. I got it, I got it. So six months later, I go back. I'm, I'm circles, I'm two and three minutes. And she says, well, you know what? You, you, can, do, you can do better. We can improve here. And I was like, really? She said, you know, you, you need an electric toothbrush. That, that would help you. That would help you. So you know what? I like, okay, I go straight to Walgreens. I buy the biggest electric toothbrush that you can buy. I mean, it's like a chainsaw when you start it up. I mean, like you need to ibuprofen on your teeth. I mean, they're, because they're just shaking so much. So man, I'm doing, I'm doing my electric toothbrush. I'm doing my circles. I'm doing two to three minutes. I go back again. I'm expecting, you know, some kind of award. And she said, no, look, we can really improve. You know, she said, what you need is a water pick. I'm like, really? Really? Okay, so I go to Walgreens. I buy the biggest water pick that there, that there is. You could fight fires with this thing, I promise you. Let me just give you, let me just give you a little advice. Before you turn on the water pick, you better have it in your mouth or it'll put your eye out. I promise you that. I know that from experience. So I'm using the water pick. I'm, I'm brushing, you know, with the, uh, the electric toothbrush. I'm doing circles. I'm doing two or three minutes. I go back. Surely she would be happy. She said, no, no, what are you doing? She said, I'm doing circles. She said, no, we don't do that anymore. We go back, you know, in a straight line. And I'm like, I just give up. I give up. You know, and, and I want to just, just say that's the way it was with the law. 
You can never please the law. I mean, if you, you know, you did well for a period of time and then all of a sudden, man, you missed up one and there was never a time, you know, that, that you felt good about yourself. You perpetually lived in, in condemnation because you could not by good deeds or by living by written code, you couldn't, you know, you, you could not please God and we stood in judgment because of our breaking of the law. So... He says, he's telling us about about the law, and I'll go back. He said, don't you know, brothers and sisters, for I'm speaking to those who know the law. The law has authority over someone as long as that person lives. All right, then he gives us an illustration, and I'm going to walk through that illustration first, and then we're going to read it. He gives us an illustration about our life with the law and with good deeds, and he uses the illustration of marriage. He uses a marriage illustration. So, If a man and woman had been married for a long period of time and the man dies, okay, the woman falls in love and remarries, okay, do we consider her an adulteress? No. Why? Because it's recognized legally and in our our culture that if one spouse dies, the other is released from any responsibility, any legal record uh, to that individual, and they are free to marry. The relationship is dissolved based on the death of the other spouse. So this, this woman, her, her, her husband passes away. Now she falls in love, okay? She remarries. She really is in love. I mean, it is, you know, it is wonderful. She's happy. She's smiling. Birds are singing. Flowers are more beautiful. She's, she's, she is in love. Okay. She remarries. They go on their honeymoon. Okay. And after the honeymoon, they come home and she puts the first meal on the table that she's prepared for her new husband. And she says, all right, here's this meal. This is my former husband's favorite meal. He loved this meal. Okay, that's a little awkward. That's a little awkward. So they eat the meal. And then maybe the, the next night, all right, the, the new husband says, hey, I want to take you to this restaurant. I love it. And the wife says, no, you know, we we shouldn't do that because my former husband did not like that restaurant and uh, just said, you know, that I should never go there. Okay, well, that's, that's a little awkward. All right, well, hey, this weekend, what if we go to Panama City, okay? And the, the new wife says, yes, I love Panama City. Uh, my former husband and I, we had our favorite cabin. We love to go there. I'll see if I can rent that for us. All right, are you seeing a a problem here, you know, develop, all right? She is released, you know, because of the death of her husband to marry another, listen to me, but she will never know the full love the new husband has for her. She will never fully enjoy the new life with the new husband until she allows the influence of the first husband to go away, okay? Now, let's read Romans that uses this illustration. I kind of walked it out a little bit. So look at verse 2. For example, by law, a married woman 
is bound to her husband as long as he is alive. But if her husband dies, she is released from that law that binds her to him. So then, if she has sexual relations with another man, while her husband is still alive, she's called an adulteress. But if the husband dies, she is released from that law and is not an adulteress if she marries another man. Okay, he's using this illustration here to, to illustrate the law and good deeds in ourselves. Verse 4. So my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ that you might belong to another, okay? To him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit for God, okay? So he's using an illustration to show you what happens to the law, what happens to good deed, deeds when grace comes on the scene. So living by code, living by good deeds is over. Death frees a person, listen to me, death frees a person from the guilt and condemnation that happened under the law. Okay, so, so do they punish people who are dead for laws they broke when they were alive? No. Do you see traffic tickets placed on a tombstone? Do you see jury summons based on a tombstone? Uh, no, because once that person is dead, the guilt and the guilt that comes from the breaking of the law, the condemnation is released because of the death of that, of that individual. So let's go back to this illustration now. So the, the person is dead and the law, you know, under the influence of, of the law, that person is free, you know, to remarry. That's what he talks about. And listen, here's, but here's the deal. You know, we, we uh, need to fall in love with Jesus. This relationship now is not about what we do or living by a code. It has everything to do, you know, with loving God. So I said a minute ago, the woman in the illustration would never know the love and the new life of the new husband until she's fully, you know, released from the influence of the first. Listen to me. We don't serve Jesus under legality because we have to. We serve him out of love because we want to. In marriage, we live to please our spouse, okay? As long as in marriage, as long as it's just a list of things that we do or don't do, man, that becomes cold after a period of time. But when you love each other, you do things that you would not normally do because you love them. So listen to me. We are not, we are not under a written code. We're not under good deeds. Now we are free. Now we are free to love Jesus and serve Jesus. And we don't do things now out of fear and condemnation because, you know, we're dead to that. Now we are walking in the newness of life in Christ. Okay? Now look at verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sinful? He asked the question. Well, certainly not. Nevertheless, I wouldn't have known what sin was had it not been for the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was 
If the law had not said, you shall not covet. So this this law reveals the fact of our sin and that we are sinners and and that we are in need for we are in need for a savior. Okay, now listen to me. I want to. I just want to say something here, and we just want to make a make a point here. We're free from the law of of, of, of expectations. We're free from that written code. But I want to be careful, and I want to maybe walk that out in a New Testament context here. Um, you know, we, we're free under grace, but there are things that we call spiritual disciplines, okay? So there's grace, and then there's spiritual disciplines in our life that we say are our devotions, uh, church attendance, tithes, being a good witness, serving others, praying over your meals, all of those, all those things that are really, really important. But I want to say something to you, and I want you to get this this morning. We want to be very careful that we are not substituting a New Testament law by which if we live these out, then somehow we're close to God or we're saved, okay? Now, I want to tell you something. I believe in those spiritual disciplines. I'll talk to you about those in just a moment. Man, but there is nothing that we can do on our own that brings the favor of God and the grace of God upon our life. It's grace and grace alone. So listen, your devotions are important, you know, but sometimes, I, I just want to say, sometimes if we don't, do our devotions regularly, we feel condemned. Or man, if we miss church, we feel condemned. Or if we're not giving or, you know, not sharing. Or if we're not part of a, a serve team or, or praying over your meals. Sometimes people, listen, they, they, they will not eat until they pray over their meal. And you would think heaven and hell depends upon that little prayer. I just want to tell you something. I think, I think you should. Okay, I just think it's great. But if you don't, if you don't, you have a thankful heart. You're good. Okay, so listen to me. Sometimes we look at those spiritual disciplines and we have made them a New Testament law that if we do all of these things that somehow it will walk us into it will walk us into the grace of God or we live in condemnation because if I'm not doing these things well, then something must be wrong. And I want to say to you, your grace and your salvation are separate from the spiritual disciplines. The disciplines are used for you to grow in God. And what happens is when you just really fall in love with the Lord, we don't really even have to call them the disciplines. We just want to do it because we love God, okay? But I want to say to you, listen, listen. If there's a time that you look and you're not doing well on the report card with spiritual disciplines, that has nothing to do with your salvation, okay? I don't want to create, listen, I don't want to create a New Testament law based upon these, based upon these spiritual disciplines. Because if we do, then it opens us back up to being under condemnation and grace frees us from condemnation. So, so I don't want you walking back under the code of, of biblical disciplines and then being condemned. You are saved by grace through faith not of works, lest any man can boast. Okay, that's how you are saved. Spiritual disciplines, they are important for our life. 
But we should not fall back under condemnation with those spiritual disciplines if we are not, you know, if we have a bad week or a bad month. It has nothing to do with our salvation, okay? So I just want to just wanna mention, mention that to you today. So l- love the Lord. And when you love the Lord, you don't really have to make yourself do devotions, right? You know, just, man, you love it or serve or whatever. That's, that's how we do it. Because when we love, we do things that we wouldn't normally do in marriage or, or in, our walk, in our walk with God. So those disciplines are wonderful, and they are a great blessing. But if we're not doing them like you feel like you should do them, it has nothing to do. You are saved separate, you know, from, from, from the, 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 the disciplines, okay? So, all right, just wanted to, to point that out, all right? Uh, verse 10. So he... He, he talks about the law, the importance of the law. I wouldn't have known sin. I wouldn't have known coveting. And then verse 10, look what he says. I found that the very commandment, the law, that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, the law, deceived me and through the commandment put me to death. Okay, so let me, let me walk through that, okay? So he says that actually once that I knew the law, instead of it had a restraining effect on me, in actuality, man, it, you know, it, it did, something, did something else to me. Now, let me, let me illustrate that. Sometimes, and you know this from human nature, when you're told not to do something, well, we're just going to do it, Okay? So that, that's kind of what this is talking about. The law, instead of restraining us, now, now the law, man, it, per, you know, it, it propelled us to, to, to break the law. So like, like if you have a toddler, okay, and you tell the toddler, don't do this. I mean, what are they going to do? They're going straight to do it, okay? We used to have a little candy dish on a little coffee table at our house, and I'd tell Kayla, don't touch that dish, don't touch that dish, and she would look me straight in my eye and walk straight over there, you know, and put her hands on that dish, okay? Uh, Teachers, you know, the first thing you do on the first day of school, here are the rules, but you have students out there that are going, you know what, now I'm going to be sure that I'm going to break them, or if you have teenagers, you know, don't do this. So he's saying, hey, the law... The law, you know, helped us recognize our sin, but then it exploded uh, in our hearts with temptation to do more. It stirred sin, you know, to, uh, it, it stirred sin in us. So, look at verse 15, all right? I do not understand what I am doing, okay? I do not understand what I'm doing for what I want to do, I don't do. You ever felt that? He said, I don't understand what I'm doing. I can't, I can't explain my behavior. For what I want to do, I don't do. But what I hate, I do. As it is, it is no longer myself who does it, but it's sin living in me. Anybody been there? Anybody been there? I mean, you, you, you get up and you go, all right, this week, this is going to, you know, I'm going to live a certain way, but yet there's a part of your heart, man, that, that you struggle with. Or, 
You go, hey, I'm going to live in righteousness in this area of my life, but then you find out, you know, man, that you don't, you know, that you don't, uh, that you don't do that. So what he's saying is a person, man, you know, without the help of the Lord has no power, you know, to stop sin on their own. You know, what he said, what I want to do, I can't do. What, what I hate, I wind up doing. He said, there's this law that's at war, you know, like, like on, on Sunday morning. It's always fun on Sunday morning. I mean, we get up, we want to go to church when we can't go to church. And we, you know, uh, it's, it's a holy day, it's Sabbath. But when do we have some of our worst fights? It's on Sunday morning, all right? Come to church, we're all grumpy, you know. So we, we had these great, you know, this great expectation of, of godliness and righteousness. And then before long, we find ourselves, you know, we find ourselves uh, uh, in condemnation. And that, that's what he says. Is that you this morning? Are you, are, you, are you having that struggle? He's pointing that out, that we are not slaves to sin anymore, that that, you know, that that relationship has, you know, that that relationship has been dissolved. I want to read it one more time. I don't understand what I'm doing. For what I want to do, I don't do. But what I hate, I wind up doing. It is no longer I myself who does it, but it's sin that's living in me. So he's just saying there's this struggle in our life, but he gives us the answer. He says, what a wretched man I am. Verse 24, what a wretched man I am. Comes to the conclusion, wow, man, I'm, I'm horrible. I'm, 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 I'm terrible. I'm wretched. I'm, I'm, I've displeased God. I've disappointed God. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me? from this body that is subject to death. Who's going to do that? Brent, you can come. And then he says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Okay? So he's walking through this chapter, and, and, he, and he comes to the end, and he realizes, you know, the futility of, of his own life and uh, the, the inability to control sin, you know, in his own life. And, and, and he calls himself wretched. And he said, who's going to rescue me from the body that is subject to death? And then he says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, my Lord. He used the term deliver. Like a, like a prisoner. I talked about that last week. What the Lord has done on the cross is that he's, he's taken the chains that you and I could not get off, okay? He's removed those. He's opened the prison doors. He said, hey, through me, you're not a slave anymore. We'll have issues that we have to work out in our life, okay? But we're not that puppet. It's not our slave master, you know, anymore. He is our deliverer. And he alone can deliver from sin. You can do all the good things, man. You can have your devotions and come to church and pay, pay your tithes and pray over your meals and, and do all of that. But I want to tell you that alone will not save you. You can join the church, you know, have perfect attendance. But it's not about that. That's maybe kind of a New Testament law that we have to watch out. It is about God's grace. No one can deliver us from the dominion of sin outside of Jesus. 
It's kind of like putting duct tape on a collapsing house. It just won't do it. At some point, you just got to give up and surrender. Kind of like you do at the doctor when you, when you have surgery. I mean, there's just a point that you have to trust the hands of the surgeon. I can't do anything to heal my own body. So I'm just going to surrender. I'm just going to lay here and trust the fact that this surgeon, this surgeon can do something here that I cannot do on my own. And I want to say it's the same way with the Lord. You're trying, you're working through your own efforts, trying to please God. But I'm telling you, it's all futile. At some point, you just got to give up and go, Jesus, I'm done. I surrender. I surrender. I'm letting you work. I'm letting you work in my life. So here's just some questions. Do you feel some frustration in your walk with God? Do you feel frustrated there? Do you feel like you're not good enough a lot of times? Look around, you see everybody else being your own self. Man, I'm just not, man, I'm not good enough. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in the top 10% there. Do you feel like you never measure up? And how you serve God? Are you do, do you always feel, you know, kind of condemnation, you know, over the way that you serve God? I just want to say, if that's you, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Okay. Listen to me. Let me go back to my marriage illustration from the second verse. Okay. You're free. You've you've died. You've died to the law. You've died to good deeds. You've died to a written code. That expectation is gone. Now you've got to walk in this new relationship. You've got to walk in love. Okay? You walk in love. We're not worried about the written code. We're worried about walking and learning and loving Jesus with all of our hearts. So you're remarried now to him and to focus on loving him. Because the greatest commandment, Jesus said, is to love the Lord with all your heart. That's the first thing. It wasn't anything about deeds or serving or praying. He said the greatest commandment is to love God. So I want to tell you, don't walk under that condemnation. Start walking in love for God to start walking in love. And when you really love someone, you'll do things for that individual that you would do for no other person. And they're not required. They're not required. You do it because you love them and you want to do it. So the greatest commandment is love the Lord with all your heart. That's what he said. And I'm just telling you, when you begin to walk in the fullness and understand the fullness of that love, I'm just telling you, the Lord is going to do something powerful in your life. All that condemnation is over with. All that is done, okay? Maybe you're having some issues with sin. Maybe there's some things that you can't get over in your life. I want you to know that the Lord is not there with a stone. This church is not there with a stone. He is there to help you. You know, I talked about it last week. He understands that failures are part of my transformation. A toddler doesn't learn to walk, you know, perfectly at the very first time. There are times that we trip and fail. But the deal is, I don't want you to be condemned, okay? But we're going to pray over that. We're going to pray that God can do something and sanctifying work of, of the Holy Spirit in your life. Or maybe you're just away from the Lord this morning. 
for whatever it is. You've walked away from God. Maybe you're that prodigal. Hey, today, if that's any of you, man, you can just put in the comments section, hey, pray for me. Pray for me. I'll, I'll be in touch with you. They'll send me your things, but I just want to pray over this for uh, the, these questions, and then we'll, we'll close. So, Lord, I pray today for those <clears throat> who are living a life of frustration in their walk with God. Lord, they never feel like they're good enough. They never feel like they measure up. They never feel like you're pleased with them. Maybe that comes from relationships here on the earth that they've put on you. They never feel like that you're pleased with them. Lord, I pray, I pray, God, you don't condemn. And I just pray that you would minister to them and you would release. Lord, the Holy Spirit is speaking. Lord, the Holy Spirit this morning is revealing and, 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 and planting the seed of truth today. Lord, I pray that they'll feel your love today. Not any condemnation. Not any condemnation, but they'll feel your love today. And I pray that they'll begin to walk in the newness of the new relationship, in the newness of the of love. Because, Lord, you've got a great thing in store for them. Lord, I pray for those that are having issues with sin, besetting sins. Lord, things they can't get over. Lord, you don't stand with a stone. We don't stand with a stone. I pray for those that are walking under condemnation. Lord, I pray. God, that they would not be discouraged, but Lord, they would continue. Lord, they feel what Paul said, what I want to do, you know, what I hate, I wind up doing what I want to do for God. I never wind up doing it. Lord, I pray. I just pray over them today. I pray the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit in their life. God, I pray for the strength of the Lord in their life. Lord, I pray for those that are away from God. Lord, I pray for those that are prodigals. Lord, I pray for those who feel like because of their sin, things that they've done, Lord, that there's no way back. God, I pray that you would speak to them today. Lord, we just give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.